0: Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, I want to read from verse 35, John chapter 6 verse 35 breaking into the chapter. And we'll read down to verse 51. Let's hear the word of the Lord. John chapter 6 verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting Life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard, and hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give. For the life of the world. Amen. We know that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this evening is taken from John chapter 6 and verse 35. And my theme tonight is to consider the words, I am the bread of life. Now John 6.35 is the first of seven I am statements Recorded in John's Gospel. And as John 6 falls, we find the Lord Jesus preaching to a hungry multitude. And as he finishes his message, he becomes conscious that there's a need of food for their bodies. He doesn't send them away. There's no chip shops, remember? No pizza huts nearby. But he does something that I believe only God could do. He instructed them to sit in the grass... The number was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And he took a boy's lunch and he prayed over it, he blessed it. He, he broke the small loaves and the two tiny fishes and from that he fed a multitude of about 15,000. Now where do I get 15,000? 5,000 men will use conjecture and say that there was a woman with each man and will allow one child uh, per couple. And therefore you get 15,000. There may have be been more. After all the people were filled and satisfied he then instructed his disciples to go around and told them to pick up the leftovers so that nothing was lost and together uh, at his command the disciples filled 12 baskets of fragments. Now this remarkable miracle served as a glorious illustration of Christ as the bread of life. You see three times in this chapter he introduced himself He gave a portrait of himself saying, I am the bread of life, or I am that bread of life, or I am the living bread. Now, this portrait of the Lord Jesus is one that's truly profound and yet beautifully simple to grasp at the same time. Of course, bread is um, a food product that is known the world over bread is used by every society every tribe every culture on the face of the earth uh, bread is consumed by everyone therefore throughout the entire world It's one of those foods that's uh, most tolerable to most digestive systems it's a food that's good for you it's a food that smells nice especially when it's freshly baked and it's a food that most people enjoy it's a food that all people need It's a food product that has a unique, satisfying quality. And tonight I I want to think about these words of the Lord Jesus. I am the bread of life. Why did the Lord Jesus call himself, I am the bread of life? Why did he call himself the living bread? And there's a simple answer. Here's the answer, young people. The Lord Jesus is saying, I am what the world needs. Just as the world needs bread. I'm what the world needs. I'm the only one who can really and truly satisfy the needs of the souls of men and women. And of course, he's sending out another message that all who partake of Christ by faith as the bread of life can enjoy a life of inner satisfaction and real peace and real meaning. If you think of these words, I am the bread of life, I want you to notice three things very quickly. I want you to think first of all of the personality of the living bread. If you look at John 6 and 35, it says, I am the bread of life. If you look at verse 48, he says, I am that bread of life. In verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Three times in this chapter, he's introducing himself with the words, I am. Now, three in the Bible is the number of complete witness. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a thing be established. And what did the Lord Jesus mean when he said, I am? I believe he was saying something totally profound. I believe it's really a statement of self-existence. If you think of your Bible in the book of Exodus, where was these words first used? And of course we, we know it's Exodus 3. Verse 14, Moses is at the burning bush and God is speaking to Moses out of the bush. Moses asked his name and this was the response, I am that I am. And I am that I am is a reference to one of the names of God. It's a reference to him as the living and the true God. The God who is self-existent. The God who is self-eternal. The one who is always eternally present. So when the Lord Jesus said, I am, he was saying, I am Jehovah. I am God manifest in the flesh. I am the one who is truly self-existent. I'm the one who is eternally present. Lord Jesus was taking the name of God. And when the Jews who heard him knew the full import of these words, I am Jehovah. You see, these words are profoundly relevant. The living bread is a person, but not just any person. The living bread is God in the flesh. Not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a miracle worker, not just a good man, not just a gracious man or a great man, but the God-man. And that ties into the Christmas story, doesn't it? First Timothy 3 and 16, Great as the Mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And I have to tell you, that's why I was so upset about Greg's advert. I was at a, a funeral that day of my uh, cousin Sammy McLaughlin, and I heard it in the radio, and, uh, and I, I couldn't respond uh, to the uh, talkback program. But I knew straight away that that advert was sacrilegious, and it was a mockery of the person of Christ. Because to replace baby Jesus with a sausage roll that had a bite out of it, while you you might want to laugh at the absurdity of it and the stupidity of it, it was really a clever advertising strategy by those who were involved in the uh, production of that uh, advert calendar. Because they knew that they were going to poke fun at the person of Christ. They knew that it was sacrilegious, and they knew that it would invoke a response, especially from those within the Christian community that had a love and regard for the person of Christ. See, the living bread is not just a person, any person. He's the God-man. And I, I think oftentimes we have lost sight of that. The living bread is not a system or a code of ethics. It's not a set of religious rules. Thank the Lord it's not tied into our book of common order. It's not tied into one church or a denomination. The living bread is a person with a real personality. And in essence, he is God in the flesh. God's only begotten son. The one who saves. The one who satisfies. The one who sustains. The the one who secures. I'm thinking of the words of Romans 10 and 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm thinking of those words in in John 11 when Martha and Mary were asked, Believest thou this? See, this is fundamental to Bible-believing Christianity. This is fundamental to being a Christian. Because I don't believe you can be a Christian and deny the doctrine of the incarnation or the virgin birth of Christ. And and yet there's many foolish enough to say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. He's a prophet. He's a saviour of sorts. He's a good teacher. He's a good man. But I don't believe that he's the only begotten son of God. I don't believe he's God in the flesh. And what I'm saying tonight is you can't be a Christian if you deny this fundamental truth. You've got to believe this. You've got to give mental assent to this. You've got to adhere and cling to this because this is fundamental. Who is Christ? He calls himself the bread of life, the living bread, that bread. What did that mean? It meant not only that he had personality, but that he's God in the flesh. Notice secondly, and quickly, the presentation of the living bread. See, the Lord Jesus is making a statement on the back of performing the miracle of feeding the 5,000. The physical bread that was used in the performance of the miracle of the 5,000 gave way to this mention, the statement of fact... I am the bread of life. The actual miracle in that sense then is a picture portrait of the Lord Jesus himself, the one who conceived the sinner, the, the one who cares for souls, the, the one who provides for and satisfies the, the needs of multitudes. He's presented tonight, as he presented himself to the multitude in that day, as the source of life. You see, he's saying something very profound, something wonderful. What's he saying when he said, I am the bread of life? He's saying, I'm the source and the meaning of life. He is communicating to us a, a fuller and a deeper understanding of the true meaning of life. If, if I asked tonight, uh, what is the secret to a life of happiness? Who would we ask? The Bible says happy is the people whose God is the Lord. But suppose we were to bring the Dalai Lama in from Tibet and say to him, Mr. Dalai Lama, could you tell us the key to enjoy life? And he, of course, is going to talk about inner peace and he's going to talk about happiness and we were going to say to him, well, that's great, but where do we find it? You're telling people, be happy. You're maybe going to tell people, be holy. You might even want to add the words, be healthy, but that's great. But but where do you find happiness? Where do you find holiness? Where do you find health? Do you find it in meditation? Yoga? What about your inner self-consciousness? Your inner resources? That's what he'll say. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. And they might have it more abundantly because he has come as the bread of life, as the living bread. You see, let let me, as I said to the young people last night in the Studer, what's the answer to 296 or now 297 suicides in Northern Ireland from the 1st of January last year? What's the answer to 30,000 domestic abuse cases that the police at least dealt with? What's the answer to someone who's facing death? Who's told by the doctor, you only have a few months to live? Or or someone who's coping with a serious illness? Or what do you say to the drug addict who's hooked to heroin? What do you say to the drunkard whose life is consumed with a, a passion for alcohol? What do you say to someone who's totally and thoroughly depressed? Doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Doesn't want to face life at all. Are you just going to say, well... You need to be happy. Come on boy. You need to be holy. How could they be happy? How could they be holy? They'll certainly not do it by themselves in their own strength. It'll not be from within their own inner consciousness. It'll not be from their own inner resources. Because the Lord Jesus stands and says. I am the bread of life. I am come that you might have life. And you might have it more abundantly. Remember he said the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see. If you look at the text very carefully, and I want you to look at your Bible now, the Lord Jesus is a realist. He hasn't got his head buried in the sand. Look, look at verse 35. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Underline the word hunger. And he that believeth in me shall never thirst. Underline the word hunger and underline the word thirst. Do we not live in a world of physical and spiritual hunger? A world of physical and spiritual thirst. A world where people are on a quest, looking for answers to life. Craving for inner peace and real satisfaction. Yes, wanting happiness. But where do they find it? And they discover, I live in a world of profound calamities. I live in a world of annoyances, a world of vice, as everybody said. Belfast has got the highest single-parent household in the whole of Northern Ireland. We live in a world that's subject to sin, a fallen world, a world that's subject to death, a world that's subject to to judgment, and and this is the world that the Lord Jesus came into, a world of darkness and, and spiritual depravity, and he doesn't say to the multitude, be happy. He doesn't say, be holy. He's facing men who are living their lives. Men who are um, certain to die. Men who have got immortal souls. And what does he say? I am the bread of life. You see, it has to do with the stuff of life. Real life. And he's its source. He's the meaning. I want you to notice, secondly and quickly... He's presented as the substance of life. I am the bread. We'll pause there. I want you to think of bread. I want you to think of the preparation of bread. How do we make bread? When you have a loaf on your table, or you're eating your toast in the morning, and you're thinking about that slice of bread, where did it come from? Where did it all start? Well, surely it started when it was sown as a tiny seed into the ground. And then there was a little green shoot called a blade. And then it grew up and eventually became an ear of wheat or an ear of corn. And then when it was ripe, it was cut down. And then it was taken to the mill and it was ground into flour. And it was battered, it was bruised, it was broken. And then after that process had taken place, it was baked in the oven. And only after it was baked in the oven did it become bread that was suitable to eat. Now, I want you to think of that preparation process and then think of the Lord Jesus. See, the Lord Jesus was implanted as a tiny embryo in the womb of the Virgin Mary, in the mystery of his incarnation. God the Son somehow disentangled himself from the bosom of the Father and was incarnated in the the bosom of the Virgin. He was born a child in the fullness of time. The child grew and developed. He was born with a father and a mother. As I pointed out to Victoria from the Belfast Telegraph tonight. He grew up. And at 30 he started his ministry. And at the age of 33 he was cut down. And that's a reference of course to his death at Mount Calvary. Doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah 53 and 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. And you think of the Lord Jesus on the cross at Mount Calvary. And on that cross, he bore the wrath of God. Like the bread, he was placed into the oven, the oven of God's wrath. When he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And on the cross, he's bearing the sins of all who would trust him as Lord and Savior. He was the substitute of sinners, he was the sin bearer, he was the surety, he's the sacrifice. Just as Hebrews 10 and 12 says but this man after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down in the right hand of God. Or as the Bible says looking you know, unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. There's a contrast here in this chapter about manna. And you know the Lord Jesus is like the manna. I want you to think about it for a moment. The manna was small. It speaks of Christ's humility. Where was he born? Not in the palace. He was God's only begotten son. But he wasn't born the way a king's son would be born. He was born in a dirty manger that was really a feeding trough for animals. An indication of his humility. The manna was round. And of course it speaks of eternality. And who is he? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's never forget that the baby that's born at Christmas time is God in the flesh, the incarnate Word. The man is white, it speaks of its purity. And the Lord Jesus, of course, did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. We believe, of course, as a church in the impeccability of Christ. He was able not to sin, but he was not able to sin. Why? Because he's the sinless, spotless son of God. Did you know the manna came at night? Mm. Wasn't the Lord Jesus born at night? While shepherds watched their flocks by night. They came into a world at night. Why? Because the world's in spiritual darkness. A world of spiritual hunger. A world of spiritual thirst. Is there any wonder we see an explosion of immorality because of this darkness and depravity? It's just a symptom. The manna was misunderstood. So is the Lord Jesus Christ today. The manna was sufficient for all the needs of all who partook of it. Christ is an all-sufficient saviour and he can meet the need of every man who puts his faith and trust in him. Did you know the man who was sweet and the Lord Jesus is sweet? He's not just a saviour. He's not just a prophet, a priest and a king. He's not even just a shepherd. Remember what Solomon said, this is my beloved. This is my friend. And the Lord Jesus is a wonderful friend for all who trust him. And the manna was shared with others. It wasn't just for one individual. It wasn't just for one family. It was for all the families in the camp of Israel. And it's a wonderful picture of Christ. Presented as the substance of life. I am the bread. And just as the bread was prepared and presented in the manna, so is Christ. It's presented as the sign of life. You see, bread's offered. And when bread is offered, it must be taken. There's a choice has to be made by yourself. In order for that bread to do you any good, it has to be appropriated. It has to be not only presented, but it has to be procured by you. If you go back to John 6 and 35, it says, He that cometh to me. That's a conscious decision. That's a conscious act. Shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me. That's an act of faith. Before bread can be enjoyed, it has to be received. But as many as received him to them, give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Now let me illustrate, young people. You've got um, dinner in front of you, or lunch. And before that lunch can do you any good, you've got to eat it. You've got to partake of it. And and what is true of a plate of food in front of you, whether at lunchtime or the evening time, it's true with Christ. You've got to come to him by faith. You've got to lay hold upon him as the living bread. You've got to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me illustrate this by a testimony. There's a story told of a Muslim girl growing up in a Muslim world, in a Muslim home, and she goes off when she's 18 or 19 to university, like some of her own young people have done, and she's going there to study biology. And she has grown up as a teenager thinking, there's no God, and there's no such thing as a creator God. She goes into university and she starts to study micro-cell biology. And she discovers that these cells are complex, and from that she seduces that life is complex. There had to be a creator, a designer. This cannot be a, a question of chance or a, or a, or a, a question of, of random selection. So she abandoned her Muslim faith, and she tried a number of other faiths, Hinduism, Buddhism, Turkish religion. She, she even embraced atheism for a long time that said she'd know God. And then, in the process of time, she's now about 25, 26, she's sent over to the United States of America. And there she comes into contact with a real Christian. And there she hears the gospel. She learns all about the personal work of Christ. And she's challenged with this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And it was only on the 6th of February, 1993 when she was maybe 28, 29 years of age, that she actually asked Christ to be her saviour. And she testified to her friends with great excitement, I have tasted him for myself. And now I know. And we live in a world, we live in a land where there's now not only hundreds, but thousands of prophesies, many who claim were agnostic. And, and their argument is, oh, you Christians, you'll never pull the wool over our eyes. We don't believe there is a God. We can't see him. But the reality is, they have never tasted Taste and see that the Lord is good. You'll never see it until you taste it. Don't look for the world's signs. Here's a sign in the word of God. The bread of life is given. And given to be received. And if we receive him by faith, We'll experience what others have experienced. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the presentation of the living bread. One final thing, and I watch the clock here. The performance of the bread. You see, well, what does bread do? Could I just suggest to you as we close, think about the sufficiency of the bread. Isn't bread, I've already said in the introduction, a stable part of the world's food chain? All over the world, people survive, as part of their daily diet, on a diet of bread, regardless of the country. India has naan bread, China has rice bread, here we have got um, Ormo, or um, Mother's Pride, or, or whatever you want. You can't survive. Without bread. And you know in the journey of life. You can't live without Jesus Christ. If you want real life. Life to the full. A life of inner peace and real satisfaction. Remember he said I'm come. That you might have life. And you might have it more abundantly. And just as individuals can't survive without bread. So they can't live a full life. Without Christ. The Lord Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. And he is sufficient, I believe, for the needs of all who would come and trust him as Lord and Saviour. Quickly, I want you to think of the singularity of the bread. I am that bread of life. If you think about the words in verse 48. I am exclusively me alone. No one else. You see, Confucius is not part of that bread. Neither is Buddha. Neither is Muhammad. We reject this synergism that tells us all religions lead to God. They don't. Because the Lord Jesus stands head and shoulders above all the the so-called world leaders of their religion and says this exclusively, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. Acts 4 and 12 comes to mind, neither is a salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. A great missionary to China years ago called Jonathan Goforth was preaching for three weeks on the theme Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We Chinese man come up to him and said, Why are you always preaching on this same theme? Jesus Christ and him crucified last week, the week before this week it's the same thing Jonathan Goforth looked at the wee Chinese man and he said tell me this, what did you have for lunch today? The wee man says rice and what did you have yesterday? Rice and what are we going to have tomorrow? Rice and he says to him why rice? Oh rice very good very good for the body And this is what he said, what rice is to your body, Jesus Christ is to your soul. That's why you need him. The singularity of the bread. Notice the sending of the bread. It's come down to us. Sent by the Father. Sent in love and in grace and mercy. Sent to meet the needs of men. The sending of the bread. Just as the manna was sent, provided by the Father, So Christ, the bread of life, is sent, provided by the Father. Think of the satisfying of the bread. The bread satisfies. So does the Lord Jesus Christ. And you could enjoy him, because he's meant to be enjoyed. I want you to think of the suitability of the bread. The Lord Jesus is presented to all who will trust him and take him as Lord and Saviour. And when they trust him and take him, they find that he's most suitable to their need. Let me ask you, do you know the bread of life tonight? Do you see how suitable and satisfying he is? Do you you see how he's been sent by the Father? Have you got your eye on the singularity of what he's saying here? And the sufficiency. He's sufficient. For your need. You can't live without him. You can't die without him. The performance of the bread. And what physical bread does to the body. Christ does to the soul. May the Lord take these words this evening. And bless them to our heart as we have heard them tonight. In the gospel.